All right, get your Bibles out. Let's uh, open it up into the book of Titus, that uh, small little book in the New Testament. We're in our series called Do Good, and we're talking about how to live a life that makes Jesus attractive uh, to the people around us. You know, it's really sad that there's some people that think that Christians are people who say one thing but do another, right? And you've heard that before. I've heard that before. In fact, I believe it was Mahatma Gandhi who made the statement. He said, I like your Christ. Uh, I don't like your Christians. He said, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Man, those words hurt when I hear them. But uh, in many cases, it's true that we, we all know people who claim to be a follower of Jesus, and yet uh, the things they say and, and, uh, and the, the, the things they harbor in their heart, the attitude toward people can be so different from Jesus that people that are uh, not followers of Jesus may look at that and go, yeah, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want any part of it. In fact, you may be here today and you're not a believer and, and, and you're just kind of checking this thing out and you're like, man, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I see many times are people that don't live any different than the world around us. And so what I want you to know, if you're seeking out and you're searching the Lord, I want you to know that what God really wants is for his people to live differently. And that's what we're striving for, is to be mirrors that reflect Jesus uh, to everyone around us. You know, uh, uh, that's really why Paul wrote the book of Titus, this little book. The apostle Paul is writing to Titus, his uh, young protege, young pastor, young leader in the faith. He had left him on the island of Crete, and it was a hard place. There were hard people, and uh, he left him there to kind of build up the churches, and, and basically what Paul's whole strategy for transforming a culture was simply this, Christians living differently. If the Christians would live exemplary lives, if they would live good lives and do good in their community, that people would see the power of God to transform and the gospel would be undeniable. So that's really the whole theme that runs through this book of Titus. And last week, we, uh, we looked at what leadership should look like and what kind of godly leaders God wants us to be, not only inside the church, but outside. So today, basically, he gets to chapter two and he calls everyone to step up, all right? Every, in fact, that's the title of the message today, Stepping Up. He's calling every person to step up and to live lives that glorify God, all right? So let's just jump into it now. Uh, Titus chapter two, got your Bible open, heart open, ready to receive from the Lord. And we're gonna begin uh, at verse two. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be sub, uh, submissive to their own masters and everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, 
but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Stop right there. Uh, The Apostle Paul is really calling on five different segments in the church to stand up and to be different, to stand up and be godly, to stand up and and be good and and do good and to glorify God so that the people can see that Jesus makes a difference in us. He calls out these five categories of people. And by the way, those same five categories of people are in this room today. That's you, that's me. And so he's gonna call us up. And I really believe that Paul gives a specific challenge to each group because each group faces a particular temptation. That every season of life, you face a different kind of temptation that can hold you back from really glorifying God with your life. And so he gives a challenge to each one. So I'm gonna do uh, two things here that are special. One thing I've never done before except right here, right now, all right? First one is I'm gonna give each category, I'm gonna address each category, and I'm gonna actually ask you to stand up when I read about your category, all right? I'm gonna say, all the guys stand up, and you're gonna stand for, and I'll read the passage and you can sit down, all right? This is the interactive part of the talk. All right? Second thing that I've never asked anybody to do before, but right here, right now, is I'm going to ask you to write down a note. You go, well, Craig, you do that all the time. Now, I want you to write it on your hand, all right? Write this thought on your hand because I want you to carry it with you. I don't want you to misplace it, all right? I figure if it's on your hand, you won't misplace it. And, and I wouldn't, I'm going to challenge you to keep it with you all week so that you think about this challenge all week long. And then you challenge each other and your family to live up to this challenge, okay? Are you ready with me? So we're gonna hit these five categories right now. The first category is the older men, all right? So if you are, just trust me on this, 50 and up, or your kids are graduated from high school, stand up. Let's give a rousing applause for the older men in the room. Yeah. 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 One guy in the back was going like this. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Older guys in the room. All right, here we go. So I'm going to read the passage. You just remain standing while I read it, then you can sit down. All right. Titus 2, verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. All right, you can be seated, guys. Uh, This passage is for you. And uh, really what he's describing here is a man who is mature and who is steady. Who is mature and who is steady. Look at these words that he uses, sober-minded. This really doesn't have anything to do with alcohol. It has to do with the way he thinks, that he is level-headed, that he makes good choices, that he thinks things through, that he's sober-minded in his lifestyle and in his choices. It also says that he's dignified and he is self-control, which by the way, self-control is almost in every one of the categories, self-control is there. But dignified is unique to this man. This is a man that carries himself with a sense of confidence, a sense of godliness, a sense of assurance, a sense of uh, steadfastness. This man has been through a lot in his life. The storms of life and the ways of life have batted up against the hull of his ship and he is still sailing. He is still standing. He's still walking with God. 
He's faced hardship. He's faced trial. He's faced disappointment. He's been falsely treated and falsely accused. He knows what it's like to hurt and be disappointed. And he knows what it's like to have failed. But he's still pressing on and he's still trusting God and he's still moving forward in his life. That's the man here. He loves well. He, he has great faith. He is solid and confident and steadfast and proven. He's a man that finishes strong. So man, men, older men, this is what I want you to write on your hand. Here's your two-word statement. I want you to write on your hand. All right? I don't care if you write on the inside, outside. I wrote mine right here on the outside. Here's the word. Finish strong. Finish strong. The, the challenge for you now in this season of your life is to finish strong strong, to keep going and not quit. We need men like this, older men who will finish their race well and not get caught up in silly things that, that uh, ruin their reputation and the reputation of Christ. You know, I'm so thankful for godly men in my life. I have a dad that is, is finishing well and that taught me how to do that how to love one woman for a lifetime and, and how to love God. I've had other uh, coaches in my life when I was a young man that showed me how to finish strong and, and love God. As I got older, I had pastors that would speak that into my life and walk that out. I had businessmen when I was a pastor that challenged me to memorize God's word and disciple people and keep going. And they, even still to this day, I have older men that call me up and want to know, are you loving Liz? Are you walking with God? Are you, are you staying faithful to the, to the calling? I have these men that still today speak into my life and we need that. We need godly men who finish strong. Do we not? We see so many men that don't. And we need men who finish strong. And, uh, you know, I just think about men like Caleb, right? That uh, said, man, he was in his 80s. I mean, he had, he had stood against the tide of people that wanted to go back to Egypt. And yet he, he continued to, to trust God and move forward. He endured the hardship of the wilderness. And then in his older years, he said, man, that's my mountain. I want my mountain. I want to fight. I want to expand God's kingdom. I want to be a player. Here's the temptation for you men that are older men. The temptation is for you to say, I've already done that. You know, I paid my dues and I, I helped in the kids in the youth area and I, you know, I've given and I, I, I've done all that. Now it's time for me to play a lot of golf. Now it's time for me to go on a lot of trips. Now it's time for me. This is my me time now in my later years. And I want to challenge you, this is not your me time. This is your time. Now that you come to this place where you have the platform of respect, the platform of endurance, the platform of a voice, now is your time to use it Use your life. Let me ask you something, older men. What are you doing right now that is advancing God's kingdom? What are you doing that affects people's eternity? Are you still just pouring yourself into a career? Are, are you still pouring yourself into hobbies? What are you doing that's investing in people, investing in God, and risking and challenging and walking by faith and, and rallying? We need those kinds of leaders in this church. And I'm thankful that we do have godly older men in this church that challenge me, Craig, why are you thinking small? Why don't we take the hill? Why don't we do something great? Listen, older men, do not get distracted. Your time is limited. Use it for God. 
The, t- the days of saying, well, I'll get to it later are gone. The time to serve is now. So godly men, older men, finish strong. Finish strong. Amen? All right. Now the second category is older women. I've been kind of afraid to say this, but I'm going <laughs> to go on and do it anyway. I got to be bold in the Lord. Amen? Uh, so, all right, 50 and up, or kids are already grown and out of the house, stand up and be recognized. Let's give it up for these ladies in the house. All right, these godly, godly women, just stand as I read this over you. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train younger women. All right, you may be seated. Uh, There's a lot here, but let me just say what, basically what Paul is saying is we need godly women. We just need godly older women. We need, uh, I think the women at Crete probably had a reputation for two things. They loved their wine and they loved to talk about other people, all right? They were slanderers. They just all their day, they had nothing else to do, but just, can you believe that she did that or he went that way? or whatever. They're just always into other people's stuff and they loved to have their wine while they did that. And that was kind of all that they did. That's just what they did. And, and Paul was saying, hey, you're better than that. You are so better than that. He said, what we need are women that carry themselves with a sense of holiness and godliness and beauty and reverence, and that have a godly demeanor, and that are always living a life that is an example to younger women. Older women, you are, you are a, a person who has a platform in the life of younger women. Because young women are looking up to you and saying, how did you do it? How did your marriage survive? How did you walk through that crisis? How did you uh, face that problem? How did you raise those kids through middle school and survive? How did you do that? And they need older women that show them the way. In fact, he says that these older women are to do two things, to teach and to train. Two different words. Teaching means giving out information, giving out content, sharing your experiences, sharing your, what God has shown you through the word. You're teaching younger women. Many times this is very relational. It isn't going out to coffee or having lunch together, but you're teaching and you're investing your life in these other women. To train has another element that has more accountability involved. That you're really training them. You're saying, all right now, come on, let's do this together. All right now, you can get past this. All right, you need to put that aside and let's move forward. Sometimes even speaking a a word of correction, if necessary, that can only come from you because you've been there and you can call out some things because you've walked that road. And he said, this is what... Uh, this is what we need. We need older women in the church that are, that are walking with beauty and dignity and godliness that are not wrapped up in a lot of the busy things around, and, and, and you're investing and training and teaching younger women. Listen, I'm so thankful for the older women in the church. You know, I, when Liz and I married, we were 20 years old when we got married. We knew nothing about being married, absolutely nothing. We were just kids ourselves. And I remember we, we lived away from... Liz's family and my family, and it was the older women in the church. Now, granted, older is relative, right? So when you're 20, the older women are 30. Yeah, wow, they're old. 
you know, and, uh, and, and so on. So but I remember these women would come in and they would talk, talk, talk to her and just encourage her. And, and, and when we would have an argument, they would say, well, this is how you make it up and don't, don't go to bed angry and, and here's what you do. And, and when we were wrestling with, you know, potty training and all the things that you deal with as, as a mom, that these women spoke into our life. And my wife benefited from that. And she grew from that. They were moms to her. They were moms to her. You know, I, as I've watched my wife grow now, she has moved into the older woman category. And I see her discipling women. And I see her on the phone talking with ladies all the time. And talking them off the ledge when they're in, they've got middle schoolers. And they're saying, oh, it'll pass, honey. It'll pass. And, uh, and here's what you do. And here's what God's been showing me. And here's what I'm going to be praying over you. And I see her doing that. I see my own mom uh, who just had a big birthday. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but a big birthday. And, uh, and I see her sitting at her kitchen table still to this day, investing and training and encouraging and lifting up other women. Th- this, is, this is why God has you where you are. And if you are a woman uh, that has lived through some things and have walked with God through some things, then here's your word I want you to write on your hand. And that is the word pour out, pour out. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to uh, being self-absorbed. Don't give in to the uh, uh, uncertainty about the future. Don't worry about uh, the things that can so easily encumber you or what other people are doing around you. But to carry yourself with godliness and dignity and self-control and to constantly be intentionally pouring out your life into other women. Because that is how you receive respect and that is how God uses you to point the next generation to God. Pour out your life. Pour out your time. Don't be distracted from that. What you do there is of vital importance and there are women under you that need you to pour out your life into theirs. Pour out. So older men, he says, uh, he says, finish strong. Older women, pour out. Now we get to the younger women, all right? So this is younger women. So this is 18 and up all the way to where your kids are maybe in high school even. So this is a pretty broad category. A single married, doesn't matter. If you're in that age group, stand up. Younger women, come on, stand up. Let's see if we got to give a hand to the younger ladies in the house. These are the younger women. Now, you may be in your 20s and 30s. Uh, you may be single. You may be uh, married. Uh, but this is for you. So stand for uh, God's word being read. Verse 4. And so train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. All right, you can be seated. Uh, like I said, this is a broad category. And so let me just kind of separate this group into two groups. And that is the single younger women and the married younger women. First, the single uh, younger women. Uh, by the way, both of them, both of you, whether, whatever category you're in, I want you to write these two words on your hands. Here it is, younger women. Here are your two words. Trust God. Trust God. Write that on your hand. Now, if you're a single younger woman, I want to challenge you to trust God. To trust God. Trust God with your career. Trust God with your stage of life. Trust God uh, with a future husband. Trust God with children that may come along. 
Many times when you're a single younger woman, there's, you, you fear, you know, is God going to give me a husband? And is this going to really work out for me? Will I ever have children? Will I have these things in my life? And at the same time, you face tremendous amount of pressure from younger men, which we'll get to in a minute, to do things that you shouldn't do and go places you shouldn't go and to dress and to act and present yourself in a certain way. And there's so much pressure in this culture for you to be sensual or to be attractive or to be this or that or the other. And, and listen, listen, what I want to challenge you is just trust God with where you are. God knows where you are. God knows the desires of your heart. God knows what he's doing in your life. Trust him in all these things in your life that he has you right where he wants you to be. You don't have to be anybody else than who God created you to be. In fact, he goes on to say this. He says, be self-controlled, pure, and kind. In other words, young single women pursue purity and pursue kindness and godliness. I tell my daughters all the time, I said, listen, what in this season of life, while you are single, use it all. While you're not encumbered by a husband, while you're not encumbered with children, to use it all for God's glory, to, to use this opportunity, this season in your life, to be all out for Jesus. And you just run after Jesus, honey. You just run after him with all your heart. You fix your eyes on Christ. You run after him with all that you are. And one day as you're running, you may see some guy running up behind you that's chasing in Jesus too. And when you see a guy that's chasing Jesus like that, that's, you know, that, that's when you know he's the guy for you. Not that you're trying to impress or maybe you'll drag him with you to church. No, no, he's running ahead of you. He's passing you in his pursuit of Christ. That's the guy that you're looking for. So listen, young, single ladies, trust God. He knows what he's doing. And for young, married ladies, you're some of the busiest people on the planet. You are, you are meeting yourself coming and going. Uh, you are married. Some of you have children in the house. And in one minute, you're changing a diaper. And the next minute, you're doling out the discipline. And the next minute, you're trying to provide for your family. And, and then there's the husband you got to deal with. And, uh, and, and then there's, there's usually your parents that are in need and you're trying to help with them and as well take care of your family. And some of you are on top of that, trying to manage career and on top of that, trying to manage expectations. And here's the real temptation. If you're a young married woman is that you never feel like you're ever good at anything. You always feel like you're letting somebody down. You're letting your kids down because you're not the perfect mom. You're letting your husband down because you're not the perfect wife. You're letting people work down because you're not the perfect leader or employee. You're, you're letting your house down because it's a train wreck and the laundry's exploded and it's all over the, the living room. I mean, you got all these things and you can feel so unworthy. Trust God. Listen, trust God. That this season of life, as difficult as it may seem to you, you will look back and see it as some of the most precious times in your life. As difficult as they are, you will look back and say, man, I'm, I wish that laundry was all over the couch. I wish that I heard all that racket when I told him to go to bed. So just trust God. Trust God when you feel like a failure. Trust God when you feel overlooked. Trust God when you feel wiped out or unnoticed. Trust God even when you feel unfulfilled because it's just a season of life. And what you do, as mundane as it seems, is for the glory of God. And, and as you do them unto him, you bring him pleasure. So trust God, younger women. Trust God. Now he talks to the young men. 
All right, younger men, 18 and up, all the way to men that have kids in the house. All right, go ahead and stand up, young guys. Come on. These are the young bucks. All right, give it up for the young men. Now, some of you, you're just barely a young man, and I know it, but, it, but we're going to let you stay in the category, all right? Some of you are like, yeah, I still got it. I'm a young man. So, listen, uh, let me read this passage to you. Verse 6, likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that, uh, that and an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. All right, you may be seated. Uh, here's the words to write down for you younger men. Here it is. Man up. Man up. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I thought like a child, acted like a child, uh, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, you know, in Hebrew culture, there's no such thing as adolescence. Now today, they tell us that adolescence maybe starts around 14 or something like that and stretches all the way. Now they're saying all the way up to 25, 26, 27, uh, 28 years old. That's protracted adolescence. Bible knows nothing about adolescence. It was you were a child, and then when you had your bar mitzvah, you were 12, then you became a man. And uh, Paul said, you know, I love this word picture. He says, when I'm a child, I act like a child. Children, what do children do? Well, they get mad, but they don't get thrown away, and they're self-absorbed, and they want to be entertained and coddled, and, and they don't have any responsibilities. They just take in, take in, and they let you know if it doesn't come toward them the way they want it. All that, that's what kids do, right? That's what children do. But he said, when I became a man, I put all that behind me, and I acted differently. And so young men... Your challenge is to put away childish things and to accept manhood, which encompasses responsibility. That's what it means to be a man. It means to accept your responsibility as a man, that you're no longer, it's no longer all about you or what you want or what you need or what you have or didn't have. It's about you leading. It's about you serving. It's about you providing, protecting for others. That's what manhood is, stepping up into responsibility. I have a friend who pastors a church and he has a ministry in his church called M-Pact, just a letter M-Pact. He said, that's men putting away childish things. <laughs> I kind of like that. Impact, men putting away childish things. So if you're a young man, let's say you're maybe in your 20s or 30s, let me just get really simple and practical with you what it means to man up. You need to move out of your parents' house. All right? You need to move out of your parents' house. You need to get a job. Uh, you need to pay taxes. You need to accept your responsibility as a man. Uh, you need to put away the Game Boy uh, and, and pick up uh, the work to be done. Uh, you need to be responsible. Uh, you need to no longer uh, act like a child that expects uh, the privileges of manhood, but not the responsibilities of manhood. You need to man up. And you need to treat women with respect. You need, to, you need to turn off the porn and start getting into God's word about what it says about women and how you treat women. You need to be pure and godly and, 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 and to walk as a man that is other than the rest of the men, young men in this world that are running amok and do not know God, all right? You need to be different as a young man. There's so much pressure on you to conform. So many images around you right now that weren't there 50 years ago. 
And there is pressure here, but young men, this is your time to man up. And listen, maybe you're a young man in the sense that you have children at home. Listen to what he says. I just love what Paul says. 1 Corinthians uh, 16, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, act like men. He goes on to say this, show yourself, verse seven, as a model for good works. In other words, hey, young men, you need to set the example. You need to be a model. If you got children at your home, you need to be the model of what it means to be a man of prayer, what it means to be a man of integrity, what it means to be a man of uh, conviction. Young men, these eyes are watching you in your house and you are the model. You can't say, do as I say, not as I do. That will not work any longer. You are the model. So young men, step into that. Man up. 1 Timothy 4, 12 says, do not let let anyone think less of you because you're young, but set an example for believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Man up. And then there's this last category, which are, uh, some versions say, bond servants or slaves. So kids, stand up. All right, right, really, kids, stand on up. If you're under 18, stand up. All right, give the kids in the house a hand under 18. Stand up. Just just remain standing. I'm going to connect the dots here in just a minute. Bear with me. Slaves, you're saying you got that right, preacher. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing in all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. All right, you can be seated. Uh, you say, what a minute, what, what are you doing, the slave thing and the kids, you know, and that kind of thing. Here's, here's the point. The, the bond servants that he's addressing here were people that were under authority. They were under, they, they were not owning property. They weren't paying taxes. They, they had no authority other than what was delegated to them. They were under authority. And so he's saying, this is how you live as a godly person under authority. Now listen, kids, that's where you are. You are under authority. You're under the, under the authority of your parents. You're not paying the rent, all right? You're not paying uh, the car payment. You're not, many of you don't have to go to work. Uh, so you're under authority. You're not on your own yet. And so how do you live as a, as a young man or woman, uh, teenager under, under authority? He gives two things here. Uh, well, let me just give you the two words to write down. Write this on your, on your hand. Be different. Be different. He says, this is what I want you to do, kids. I want you to be different. Be different in your school. Be different uh, with your peers. Be different in front of other people. How should I be different? Well, he gives a couple of things here. One is that you need to be, uh, you need to submit to authority. You need to come under the authority that God has put over you. That is, he says, not arguing and not complaining. Bible says another place, do everything without arguing and complaining so you can be children of God in a dark and perverse world. So listen, what you need to do is, hey, I'm going to be different by coming under the authority of my parents and not arguing all the time. Well, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to clean that up? And why do why they didn't do that? And that's not fair. And you know, you know all that. Hey, just don't do that. Don't argue. Don't complain. In fact, do it with a happy heart. How about that? Happy heart. That's what we always tell our kids. Hey, we want to see a happy heart. Right? Just say, Absolutely, mom, I'm happy to do it. And watch mom pass out. I mean, it'd be a blast, all right? Just say, I'm happy to do it, mom. And boop, there she goes. Hey, so do it with a habit, submitting willingly and not 
rebuffing under the authority God's given you to your teachers, to your coaches, to your parents. Here's another thing, be trustworthy. One way you can be different is be trustworthy. He said these slaves were pilfering. They were always lying. They were always trying to get something under the table. He said, listen, you just be trustworthy. So many kids will say, hey, don't you trust me? But I want you to understand something, kids. Trust is earned one decision at a time. Trust is earned one decision at a time. So if you want your parents to trust you, to give you greater freedom, then you be faithful and trustworthy with what they tell you to do now. And if they see that you're trustworthy in the small things, they will allow you to be trustworthy in larger things. If you are not trustworthy in the little things, you will not be trustworthy and have greater freedom beyond, right? So, so kids, be different. Be different. People will see, you know, the scripture tells us that even a child is known by his actions, by whether their conduct is pure and right. So let people see the difference in you. That all of a sudden you are what you're submitting under authority at home, at school, at, at where you go, that you have it do things with a happy heart, that you're trustworthy, you do your homework assignment, you do what your coaches tell you to do, you do these things with a good positive attitude, and people go, man, what? that is a stellar young man. That is a stellar young woman. We want to put them in leadership. We want to advance them. We want to promote them because they are so, so different. Be noticed as a, as, a, as a young man or woman that chooses to be godly and good. To be godly and good. Now, I want you to look at all these five categories, all five of these. He's calling everybody to step up. Older men, finish strong. Older women, pour out your life. Younger women, trust God. Younger men, man up. Hey, kids, be different. So you write those on your, on your hand. Uh, maybe your family could look something like this. In fact, I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to encourage you to, to have those on there and to call this out in each other. You know, when you, dads, when you take your kids to school, when you let them out, say, hey, be different. And they'll turn around and say, hey, dad, man up. <laughs> that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I love that. I can't wait for that. You know, or uh, our husband, you say to your wife, "Hey, just trust God in this situation," or "Honey, pour out your life," or you look at your husband and say, "Now's the time for you to finish strong. Finish strong, honey. Keep doing what you're doing." You, you see how we can encourage each other and pray for each other in these things. I also want to challenge you to take a picture of that written on your hand and post it on social media and let people see what you're doing. Put the hashtag first Collarville on that and let people see what you're praying for each other, how God's calling all of us up to be different. Now, why should we do this? Let me give you in about 30 seconds. Why? What's the motive for all this difference? We'll just look at it. Verse uh, 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his very own possession who are zealous for good works. Why should we do this? One word, grace. Because God's grace has come to you. That God's grace has changed you. You see, when Christ died for you, he died for your sin, to pay your sin. But when he rose, he rose to empower you to live differently. And coming to Christ is not only about believing in him, but it's also about becoming the man and the woman that God created you to be. Salvation is not just about knowing Jesus. It's also about following Jesus. 
and letting him change you from the inside out. And so be different. This grace of God has come to teach you to say no to ungodliness, no to the things of this world, and to live different, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives that make Jesus attractive. That people will look at you at work and look at you at school and look at you in the office and look at you on the golf course and look at you on the tennis court and look at you wherever you go, and they'll say, man, there's something different about them. And they'll glorify God. This is what God wants for you to step up.